0: This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything in football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson to run the rule over the past week in the world game. News including the Lattice on the Socceroos, just a few days out from the World Cup. And Matilda's off the back of their eye-catching win on the weekend with Willem van Denderen shortly. Then we'll dive a little deeper into the excellent performance of the Australian women's side against the world number two Sweden on the weekend. Is Tony Gustafsson's tenure finally starting to pick on the strength of Saturday's result in Melbourne? And off the back of the recent wins over Denmark and South Africa, it feels like they... we will go through Matilda. And now 10 Grace Gill as well as previewing the upcoming A-League women's season, which kicks off the triple header this weekend. Then, with the World Cup guitar coming up very, very quickly, we'll talk to our favourite scribe from the Athletic, Rob Tanner, to assess just what the realistic hopes are for England to climb the final rung up the podium from semi-finalists in Russia, losing finalists in their home Euros last year, to the heights of 1966 and the holy grail of World Cup glory. The excitement is getting palpable right now, so we cannot wait for that chat in a group, including Wales, the USA, and, of course, Iran, which has us licking our lips, and we'll wrap it up with World Cup Corner. Derek, an absolute blockbuster. The um, the continental uh, seasons have already closed as of uh, the last 24 hours, and uh, it's, uh, it's only days away.
2: If you didn't know, you would have known after um, Cristiano Ronaldo as uh, drive by on manchester united clearly the the end of uh, the football as uh, domestic football and the end uh, of his career i think but yeah i was watching the arsenal game at the weekend the uh, commentators obsessively talking about um players getting injured and all the rest of it and it, I just sort of was getting a bit of fatigue and I thank God I just can't wait for this World Cup to start now.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting before we bring Willem on uh, that uh, maybe we'll talk about it later. I, I do think that there may have been something to that in the in the um, the Brentford win over Manchester City
3: um, playing a little bruise-free football but um, we'll talk about that a little later on. Willem? The Matildas, we'll, uh, we'll touch on the uh, sort of peripheral points before we bring in Grace Gill. They have enjoyed their third win on the bounce, putting four past world number two Sweden before 22,000 at aV Park. Sam Kerr's opener split the difference in an even first half before the Matildas swept home another three in the second. Oh, lovely football. The side now head to Gosford for their final match of 2022 against Thailand on Sunday. Rob, you were there. Great reviews uh, of the atmosphere and also some plaudits doing the rounds for the side post-game for a rather long uh, signature and selfie session with the crowd. Sum up the atmosphere for us on Saturday afternoon at Amy Park. Yeah, look, it was it was an atmosphere that uh, I hadn't seen in sport for a long, long
1: time. Um, and having not been to a Matildas match in a long time, uh, you know, like others, I was going off uh, observation and reports of of what a, a family like feeling it is. And uh, and I can now attest to that. Uh, I had the good fortune of not being organised enough to get my accreditation application in, through in time. But uh, Rebecca Trebovich from Football Australia was kind enough to to provide me a ticket. Now that ticket that she provided me, um, having been in the confines of press boxes for the better part of 20 years behind the glass, etc. Um, I was three rows from the front in the uh, tacking corner of the Matildas in the first half. And uh, and I was right in the middle of that atmosphere and that environment. I could see the families, see the young girls and boys, uh, just see the general excitement and and goodwill and joy that there was in the, in the stadium. And uh, and then to to double down with a, an excellent result from the Matildas. They had to work hard in the early stages. Could have easily conceded early, but they didn't. And uh, I know we'll talk about that in more in more detail. But uh, look, it was a great event. Um, I've been as big a critic as anybody out there of Tony Gustafsson and the, and the pool performance. Of the Matildas, uh, but I do hope, like everybody else in this country, that um, that we're going to see the uh, the fairy tale story. I almost feel like I want to cue in the you know that Rocky music just when the rock uh, starts to make the comeback. You know, the music uh, gets up and he starts the training, and uh, it's all happening. That that sort of feels like the Matildas right now, Willem.
3: Yeah, it does, Robin. Particularly the second three goals were such beautiful, free-flowing team moves that really seemed at odds with the sort of uh, the heavy, weighty uh, performances that we've associated with the Matildas since the disaster of the Asian Cup back in Jan. So, yeah, uh, at odds with what, with what we've seen of late, and uh, certainly positive heading into a massive twenty twenty three. Gray Arnold's 26-man squad uh, is assembling in Doha. But headlines, it'd have to be said this week, have been dominated by those not making the trip. Trent Sainsbury, Tom Rogic, Adam Taggart and Mitch Langerak have all been left out. Langerak's omission in particular, boiling the blood of plenty around the scene. Let's take a bit of a listen. I'm
4: not an expert in, in goalkeeping. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've got a great uh, guy, goalkeeper coach in John Crawley who has a process and, and studies these goalkeepers and understands these goalkeepers enormously. And, uh, you know, so we, we've made... And I've got to trust that process with uh, John Crawley. And, you know, we make those decisions. I, I trusted John Crawley in, <clears throat> when we played Peru. And uh, with that substitution, that change. And, uh, and, you know, and I've got to trust, it, again, those type of decisions. But uh, Mitch is a fantastic guy, fantastic goalkeeper. It was all around, again, bringing him back, was around what happens if something happened to one of the other goalkeepers. Because at the end of the day... There is a lack of depth of goalkeepers. You look at the age of those three goalkeepers you just talked about, and Andrew Redmayne, Danny Vukovic, and Mitch Langerak. You know we we need more young goalkeepers coming through.
3: So Rob, seventeen members of the squad head to the World Cup for the first time. Arnie's been keen to direct the narrative towards the positivity, and uh, nine of those uh, squad members come from last year's Olympics, which is important. Shows a bit of uh, sort of year on year progression. We're going to speak to Ben Summerford later in the week on stoppage time and really get our teeth into uh, the squad. But for now. The decision to bring Langerak out of international retirement, uh, and then as we heard Arnie say there, to have only really done that to make sure that uh, there was cover in place. If one of the the main three had gone down, just does seem a little bit cruel. Odd man management. You've got to be ruthless if you're going to play
1: uh, at the level that Arnie uh, wants to to play. I do feel sorry for Mitch Langrack. His motivations for not playing for the Socceroos um, during the COVID period uh, were... were, um, impossible to criticize it was all about his family he was living in Japan Uh, but I think Arnie's got to do everything that he can do to to put together a squad that is going to perform now not saying that Mitch Langerak uh, uh, wouldn't have performed but the reality of it is that Matt Ryan is the number one goalkeeper uh how do you possibly not give Andrew Redmayne opportunities after his heroics uh, against Peru? And the third keeper is just a, a squad keeper, a uh, barring calamity. So I, I, I get it, understand. It could have been handled better, but I, I can't argue too much. I mean, the, the trans Sainsbury decision, I, I was a bit surprised that Tommy Orr, you know, came out as hard as he did um, on Twitter, uh, suggesting that uh, it was jobs for the boys when when uh, Graham Arnold didn't pick his own son-in-law. So I think that sort of counts. Counteracts the claim of or that um, that that players were picked just because they were mates with the coaches. So look, we we will go on uh, at length with uh, with Ben Summerford in stoppage time later in the week. But uh, I think under the circumstances, he's picked the strongest possible squad that he can pick, and um, and he's he's picked the X factor in Garen Uh He'll be marked after the World Cup on just how he executes that
3: squad and and what they do. Melbourne City have reached the World Cup break three points clear, while the Wanderers remain in second. Their 1-0 win over Sydney in the derby on Saturday night drew 34,000 spectators, while on Friday night, Adelaide United's win over the victory drew 13,500. Then on Sunday, smaller crowds, but cracking games. Both finished 3-2. Western United picked up their first win of the season, and that's not to mention the uh, the thriller in Gosford. So, Rob, The best weekend of A-League action I can remember in a long time. Uh, We know what the Socceroos can do for the A-League from World Cup cycles gone by. And, geez, if we can have a win, uh, it feels like the league is just simmering at the moment. It might be hitting the boil, particularly if the Wanderers can come good. Yeah, exactly. And
1: uh, look, I, I've got um, I've, I, um, a brother who's well-documented. I've mentioned my brother Pat many times. He's uh, uh, very proprietorial over inverted commas. He's where some Wanderers uh, and and very proud of when they do well, especially when they uh, they beat Sydney FC in a derby. So, uh, you know, that that latent support of the Wanderers has got that capacity to have a ripple effect throughout the rest of the league as does uh, the performance of of one or two of the other mega clubs in Melbourne Victory included I loved the atmosphere at Highmarsh um Adelaide United uh, they always packed them in and 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 that uh, that atmosphere was great so plenty of storylines plenty of form lines So if those crowds can can start to come in I I just feel like it's easy as we've done in the past to to put the boot in when the crowds are small, but uh, it's probably better off for everybody right now if we we try to start focusing on some of the more positive stories uh, around the game.
3: To the Premier League, Arsenal have extended their lead to five points after a Martin Odegaard double saw them defeat Wolves, while Man City dropped all three at home to Brentford. Newcastle United remain third after winning their fifth in a row, while at the foot of the table Wolves, Southampton and Nottingham Forest will occupy the relegation zone during the break. So Derek, congratulations, this is what you wanted, top at World Cup first and probably only time uh, an English side will be able to, uh, to say that, but uh, on a Sort of more serious note. First at Christmas for the first time since two thousand and seven for Arsenal, back to uh, closer to those glory days. So uh, here we are. How do you feel? Oh, it's
2: great relief. Can uh, to switch off for the next six weeks now and not worry at the weekends about what my team's going to do to my state of mind. But to be fair, I haven't had a lot to worry about this year. The start has been exceptional. I think it's the best start Arsenal have ever made to a league campaign, and. I got up early uh, to watch the game on Sunday morning, knowing that Manchester City had already lost their game to Brentford, which, to be fair, would have been a big shock. I don't think anyone would have would have picked that one out. But, you know, all jokes aside, it's uh, a fantastic uh, start to the season. Uh, ominously, though, Tottenham and Newcastle in particular still keep picking up points. So, um, yes, Gunners are top, but there's still a long way to go.
3: Uh, and of the three sides that occupy the relegation zone, Wolves, Southampton, and Nottingham Forest, are there any of those three that jump out as uh, as having the best chance not to finish there come the end of the season? Well,
2: the signs are looking good with Forest at the moment. I think they've they've picked up form recently. They're being rewarded for showing faith in Steve Cooper, uh, particularly when the noise started getting pretty noisy around his job. And then Southampton and Wolves, well, they've got new managers now. And Nathan Jones, I don't know what the... Um, Southampton fans will think of that. Obviously, it's a pick from the Championship, Uh, a a manager that's had a lot of success with very limited budgets, which I suppose all bode well for Southampton. But uh, Wolves, or Lopetegui, we mentioned him last week. He's an interesting one. He is so highly regarded as a coach in world football. Uh, You'd like to think he could get a bit of a tune out of Wolves. They didn't look brilliant against Arsenal. They really just sat back and... Um, played quite stodgy football, but they do have quick attacking counter attack players. So there's something for him to work there. But Lopetegui's now got six weeks to work with the non World Cup squad and uh, I think the break will do them some good.
3: And the Serie A have completed their pre-World Cup block. Napoli sit eight points clear of AC Milan with Juventus back up to third after winning five on the trot. That competition doesn't resume until January 4. Let's move on to Socceroos and Matildas Central for the green and gold army. This will be just the Socceroos with Grace Gill still to come to cover the Matildas. Riley McGree's added another to his highlights reel with a jumping volley if you don't mind from Middlesbrough as they won 2-1 at Norwich.
2: Middlesbrough tried to build an attack. There's a shot from the edge of the box and what a goal that is! From Riley McGree,
3: it's another player who's off to the World Cup who scored at Carra Road. The ball played up towards the edge of the Norwich penalty area, landed in the path of McGree, who hit it delightfully on the volley, giving Gunn no chance at all. And Rob, a number of defenders jockeying for a start against France also game time. Bailey Wright and Harry Soutar have both put in 90 minutes this week. Uh, Soutar stepping back up to the seniors for Stoke against Luton. Kai Roll started for Hearts against Motherwell, but was red-carded on 75 minutes. And Cam Devlin, perhaps one of the surprises in Graham Arnold's squad, also uh, saw over an hour. Uh, And Aziz Bayic looks bolted on the left back after playing 90 minutes uh, for Dundee. So for for so long, it looked like it was... uh, so many of these guys scratching around, injured, unable to get on the park. And now, yeah, it really has sort of come in a rush that there's quite a few guys with their hands up. Okay, well
1: and well done, Derek. Uh, well, I saw uh, an excellent performance by the Matildas on the weekend at Amy Park against Sweden. Uh, it wasn't what I expected. I, I would have been happy had it been a, uh, a stale draw or, or even a loss that, uh, that didn't concede too many. But to see the Matildas uh, uh, flourish uh, the way that they did and, uh, and to, to get a result against the world number two uh, reigning Olympic silver medalists was, uh, was better than anybody. You could have hoped. somebody who I did see on the sideline no, commentating on the match for 10 and Paramount was Grace Gill, former Matilda herself. We're going to have a chat to her about all of that after the break on Box to Box.
4: Going
1: to buy Hoyt's Hoyt's space says Everyone's, Everyone's going to see Vidala Vidal or two. I didn't sing the jingle the last couple of weeks, but I can't help myself, especially when I'm talking about Hoyt's because we love cooking and eating and our Friends at Hoyt Serbs and Spices are always on hand for tips and advice on how to add flavor and taste to the kitchen and changing the mood of food. Now, Derek, last week when I brought up the subject of meatballs, you mentioned you just had a feed of, of meatballs, um, Italian pasta style.
2: I did, yes, I did. Uh, kind of a, and a, I think Adam Lior, actually, it was his recipe and it was
1: very tasty indeed. Well, I'm going to give you a Bill Granger uh, recipe. Willem, are you familiar with the work of Bill Granger?
3: Oh, I have indeed, yes, my mum, a, a very proud cook and a, a cookbook woman, very heavy on the cookbook. So I know Bill Granger, absolutely going back. Oh, excellent. Well, this is Bill's uh,
1: meatball. So you want to get your half a kilo, 500 grams of mince a grated red onion, some nice dry chili, Hoyt's dry chili, Hoyt's cumin paprika, and turmeric, a little fresh ginger, just grated about the size of your thumbnail. Hoyt's ground four-color peppercorn mix and Hoyt's rock salt, some Hoyt's dried parsley and some fresh coriander, an egg, and you'll want to put it all together in the one bowl and make some nice little golf ball-sized meatballs. Put it in with your best favorite tomato-based sauce. You are going to be wowed with some wonderful flavors, all thanks to our good friends at Hoyt's herbs and spices. Remember, refill any of your empty spice jars with Hoyts value packs. You'll be happy with Hoyts and our good friends, Johnny Accardo, Steve Accardo, Mick Accardo, the old friend Isabella playing for Melbourne City at Coles, Woolworths and all good independent supermarkets.
5: Box to box. Can you believe it?
0: For Chemist Warehouse. Right savings every day. And Hoyts Herbs and Spices.
2: Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all.
1: Yes, this is box to box, and as we all know, the clock is ticking to the World Cup in Qatar, and all of our attention will divert to that uh, when that happens. But in the meantime, we've got plenty of uh, great stories to talk about domestically, in particular around the women's game, and and one of the most exciting pieces of Australian sporting news, let alone football news, happened at Amy Park on the weekend, and that was, of course, uh, Tony Gustafson's uh, uh, women managing not only to beat Sweden, the world number two, running silver medalist at the Olympics, but absolutely dismantle them and put on a show for 22,000 people. We're going to talk about that match with uh, Grace Gill in a moment. And Willem's going to uh, have a yarn to, to Grace about the women's, the A-League women's season, which kicks off this weekend. But Grace, uh, uh, I had the good fortune to be disorganised um, for this game and didn't put my accreditation request in time. So I ended up getting ticketed uh, to, to the game. And when I arrived, my ticket was three rows from the front in the Matilda's attacking corner. And, and you know what it's like as, as a sitting behind the glass, you're sort of you're in an immune environment. You don't get to always soak up the atmosphere, but then you get that opportunity to sit in the stands and realise this is actually why we love the game, to be in the middle of it.
5: Absolutely, and we were pitch side as well for part of that game too. So just to be in amongst that 22,000 fans and and when there was a roar of the crowd, we could hardly hear ourselves talk. Mm -hmm. So that's with 22,000, let alone the kind of numbers that I I do expect we'll see at the Women's World Cup next year. So it was such an atmosphere. It It was incredible.
1: Yeah. So, Grace. Um, so, leading into this game, we okay. We've we've come off the back of a couple of uh, good wins. Uh, South Africa. Well, we'll say we ought to have beaten them, even when we're not performing particularly well. But Denmark. You know, that was one that sort of made us raise our eyebrows, and and we're thinking, are things starting to change? Because I know on this show, we we uh, have uh, have followed the ups and downs of the Matildas over well the seven years that we've been on air, and we were as worried as anybody about what was going on uh, under the uh, tony Gustafsson uh, uh, tenure and 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 felt that the way that they were going prior to those couple of results that 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 our women's team just couldn't get it together and it was the, the high watermark of that was obviously the the asian cup but to see them not concede when sweden looked like they could easily have scored in that first half hour and then get that scrappy goal you know Sam Kerr is not really known for scrappy goals, but she knows how to put it in the back of the net and then just showcase everything with Caitlin Ford and Mary Fowler in the second half. It, it was like everything came together at once, wasn't it?
5: It was, and we did speak about this before the game in that this would be the true litmus test of the Matildas of where they were at. We knew that the result against Denmark was a, a very positive one and the first win against the European opposition for Tony Gustafsson was going to always be an important one in Denmark, but then to actually back it up against a team like Sweden, you mentioned yeah. earlier... Olympic medalists, silver Olympic medalists, uh, second on the FIFA rankings in the world. They are a world-class side and I think there was a bit of genuine concern and warranted as well uh, around the the Matildas fans and the, the football in public of what this game could have been. And I think... The Matildas came out actually really well. They kicked off in the first five or ten minutes. They were dominant, in control, looking really threatening. And then there was a period of play where Sweden really got back into the game and I thought, oh, no, this is is turning and momentum started to shift. But as you mentioned, it was that goal late in the first half and as a team, you you know, you don't want to concede going into halftime, but for Sweden, that completely changed things and I think had the result being nil-nil at half time. the outcome could have been a very, very different one. But for the Matildas to come out in that second half and completely dominate the performance, mm. it was really impressive to see, but also really uplifting and really encouraging for these games ahead and, and for the last run into the World Cup next year.
1: And one of the things that, that I particularly noticed, uh, Grace, was that that it wasn't uh, all roads lead to Sam in this game. Uh, Sam played her part, obviously, but uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 defensive orientation was was looking for the best opportunity um, that, mm. uh, that presented itself rather than trying to manufacture opportunities that, uh, that they thought might be the best for the, for the team. Rather, they played as a football side and, and almost uh, anonymous players on the field as opposed to, to going for, for one star, if I'm sort of describing it correctly. And, and that midfield general, I'll tell you, if uh, Katrina Gorry is one of the best organisers of a football side, uh, men's or women's right now, I'm a pretty bad judge.
5: No, I think that's a fair assessment Uh, and I agree with you. I think um, in the past the Matildas have fallen to the trap of relying really heavily on Sam and we've seen this style of play that's just gone uh, direct route up the middle to Sam and and hoping that she can pull out something spectacular, which often she can, but there comes a point where that's a really risky uh, play. But I think at the weekend what we saw was actually the Matildas beat Sweden at their own game, which was – playing a very counter-attacking style of football still very direct, but you're right in that they weren't going just to Sam. Uh, Caitlin Ford was instrumental. And I think without Caitlin Ford in the type of form that she was in on the weekend and in her recent performances for club and country, uh, the Matildas wouldn't be flying in, in the way they are, but, also to your point about the midfield, I think what we've seen in the last couple of games particularly is a very, very good midfield combination and Katrina Gorey has been excellent but coming into that supporting her alongside her has been Kyra Cooney-Cross who mm-hmm. as a young player is coming back into some really great form too and that's so pleasing to see.
1: The cameo of Mary Fowler coming on at 64 minutes. Every good football team at the peak level needs someone to come on at that 60-odd minute mark and inject themselves into the game and obviously preferably score a goal if they uh, if that's what their, their remit is. And, and she did exactly that. She gets so excited mm. and happy for, for what's going on. And, and more pleasing was the, the, was the build-up and the fact that, uh, that uh, Sam was one of the providers of, of that goal and equally happy um, to see Mary score as, as she would have if she had scored herself.
5: It was a really great team goal and Mary Fowler, um, to be fair, she's gone through a, a fair transition period moving across to Manchester City in England and uh, hasn't seen a huge amount of match minutes and just sort of starting to settle into English football and that's a big challenge for a young player. We sometimes forget that Mary's still only 19 years old, the only teenager in this Matildas squad at the moment. So she's playing sort of a, a cut above her years and her maturity and to come on and impact the game in the way she did, uh, I thought was important for her, her confidence too, not, not starting too many games recently with the Matildas, but to have that combination with Sam. And although the goal did take a deflection to still to get that shot away there, you know, sometimes goals are created in those little moments and, and she did her job.
3: Great, the women's season does kick off this Saturday. Uh, expansion, both in terms of the length of the season and a new team in the mix as well. Um, the league did stand still for so long, no expansion between 2015 and 2021, but it now feels like things are on the move again. So could you please just sum up your thoughts uh, on the mood uh, around the league, I suppose most people would say it's it's probably one of optimism and and progress. Would you see it the same with the uh, with the World Cup on the horizon?
5: Yeah, well, I think that's the thing with the World Cup just around the corner. Having the A League Women season kick off with another team joining the fray in Western United, and to see the type of team that Western are pulling together, it's really impressive. So it, it's exciting. That's the obvious word, but um, always when. The seasons um, just on the brink of kicking off. Uh, there's this kind of nervous anticipation around how the teams actually going to come together, and there's expectations around teams like like Sydney and Melbourne Victory who have historically done well. But then the teams who are sort of the runners of behind them, and, and what they can do to impact the season differently in the way that they haven't done previously. Um, I think just with World Cup, you know, months away now, um, there's a huge opportunity as well for some of our domestically based girls to have a fantastic A League Women season and actually put their hand up for selection in the World Cup squad as
3: well. Just joined down on Western United a little bit, as you mentioned, fantastic squad they're pulling together, going to be managed by Mark Torcaso. Uh, Chloe Legazzo is going to be there, as is Jessica McDonald, who is a, a World Cup winner with the USA. Mm. So, uh, And they've knocked off a couple, or they've taken a couple of scalps in, in pre-season as well. So you're expecting good things from them?
5: Yeah, I am. And I think for Chloe, that's a really important sign in. She's needed to get match minutes back after she's returned from doing her ACL last year, didn't play a huge amount of time. Actually, I don't think she played any minutes back over with Kansas City and NWSL when she returned. So for her to come to Australia back home and, and look to get regular minutes, I think that's what she's going to try and do. And Jess McDonald as well. She's been in the, what was the former W league before uh, but for her to come back, a, a player of her calibre, that's just going to lift that that Western United side and, and to have a player who is a US women's, women's national team gold medalist around some of those young girls, that, that just does so much for that community.
3: Uh, and you reference the sort of history of the league for all the increase in, in quality and competitiveness we've seen over the years. When it does come to the crunch, it is usually the same candidates. I think it's been uh, just four clubs that have shared the championships over the past decade. So can you see this changing? Is it going to be an Adelaide or a Canberra that can get it together? Or are you expecting... I mean, the end of the season's a long way away, but are you expecting (laughs) it to be maybe City victory and Sydney again when it it really comes down to it?
5: Yeah, well, Sydney have had a a fair bit of consistency in their squad selection. Some new girls coming in, uh, but arguably a a pretty consistent side. I think Melbourne victory are looking... Really good again, and they've recently signed uh, Elise Kellen Knight, also back from her long-term injury too. So again, to have players of that caliber join the league again, I think that really lifts the quality of players like a Victory. If they needed more quality, uh, Alex Chidiak as well back in the country, back with Victory, that they look like a really tough team to beat. But Canberra and Adelaide, the two teams you've mentioned there, pulling together really good teams, um, all for the majority of domestically based girls. But they've also gotten over a couple of internationals, which sometimes throw in a little bit of a curveball. That it's sort of the unknown about those players that's really intriguing, and sometimes they can cause a bit of an upset.
3: And do you have a bolter for us? Do you have someone, I mean, you mentioned Alex Chidiak, but is there anyone from outside of the Matildas that we maybe haven't seen before in in senior national colours? That if all if all comes uh, comes together could possibly pick up one of those final spots uh, come the World Cup.
5: You know that's a really good question, and I think one of my favourite things about bolters is, is that you often don't see him coming. And yep. and I'd use the example of someone like Courtney Vine last season and the season before, who just stepped up, and she hasn't gone down the usual path of going down to going overseas rather to Europe. and and taking that path on her way to the Matildas, but she's actually just performed consistently and excellently for Sydney FC. And that's what's gotten her call up to the Matildas. So uh, I don't have a name for you, but I am excited because I'm sure there's going to be a couple of them.
1: Well, when we find them, Grace, will get to to ask you about who they are. um, Love to. (laughs) But it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting times. So, you know, we're all looking forward to the men's World Cup in in, uh, a week's time, but uh, no sooner will that finish than the attention will turn to, the Women's World Cup, which is going to be on our own doorstep, and if Saturday's game against Sweden is any indication, and uh, and we know that the uh, the Thailand match will have a, a blockbuster crowd and 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 just a wonderful atmosphere. You know, I set off the top of the show. It, it's been a long time. I think the, the first time I saw the Matildas was in the Sydney 2000 Olympics against Honduras, and and this was a vastly different experience. All these years later, educated crowd, passionate crowd, not there just because they were going to see the Olympics and to see an australian team play but there to see a team who are their heroes and who are inspiring uh so many young women in particular to to uh to play the game and play it in in the kind of fashion that uh, that both entertains and and sets a great example so um so we've got a lot to look forward to, and if uh, anyone's listening and they haven't uh, uh, made the effort to get down to an A League Women's match um, in, in the meantime, they they ought to do it and uh, and just find out what all the excitement's all about.
5: Hundred percent, you've wrapped that up really nicely there. I could not have said that better myself.
1: <laughs> uh, Grace, thank you. Um, you're very kind, and and, uh, and we're so grateful that, that you come and spend some time with us. Uh, we um, we love uh, covering the women's game on on this show, and uh, and we'll be there every second of the way leading up to the World Cup. So. I uh, will talk to you again real soon. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Grace Gill, Batilda. Canberra United players. She played in the Czech Republic uh, during her glittering career, uh, and also now one of the best pundits you'll find in uh, world football on Ten and Paramount. So uh, uh, keep your ears out for Grace's work. After the break, we're going to talk to one of our very good mates from the Athletic, the great Rob Tanner, England and Wales. Uh, is football going to come home again? Well, it already has uh, with the Lionesses, but can the men do what the women's team did uh, in the World Cup and uh, and and bring the glory home? We'll find out. Let's talk to Rob next on Box to Box is that jingle bells you can hear in the distance gentlemen we're mm-hmm. starting to feel a little bit like christmas right now and we talked to you about this last week get your christmas shopping done early at chemist warehouse right now where you can get amazing deals on fragrances derek have you uh, bought the lovely sarah um any early christmas presents uh, for uh the stocking
2: yeah fragrances are always top of the list when uh, i'm lacking inspiration rob so yeah uh what, what
1: suggestions have you got Oh, Estee Lauder, beautiful! It's a classic fragrance, been around for a long time. It's just the 30 mils Eau de Parfum, save 50 bucks, 49.99. That's a great recommendation. Now, if you're looking for, you know, your dad, the Calvin Klein Euphoria 50 mil Eau de Parfum, 34.99. This is a genuine 55 dollars saving off these prices. And Willem, i look like a Hugo Boss kind of guy.
3: Oh, I'm a Hugo Boss, absolutely. In yeah, every way. One.
1: Exactly, with 125ml Eau de Toilette for 39.99, 69 bucks off. Mont Explorer 60ml Eau de Parfum, $49.99, save $73. If you don't go to Chemist Warehouse to buy some Christmas gifts for your family and friends, you're absolutely mad. Because the great savings for Christmas are there every single day.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the
4: mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all.
1: Yes, this is Box to Box. Now, uh, we talk to many uh, scribes from The Athletic these days, and um, and they're all very, very good. But it's only because of one person from The Athletic, who was then of the Leicester Mercury, that it all happened for us. And uh, it's always a good addition of Box to Box when our good friend rob tanner joins us again and he's on the line to have a bit of a yarn about uh, the world cup which is just uh, all uh, a little under i think as we speak rob a week away. oh yeah i mean it's crazy isn't it we just
0: had a, a last round of premier league games and then within a week we're going to be in straight into a world cup it's uh, remarkable well, normally we have a slow burning build up to the uh, to the world cup at the end of the season and there's a bit of football fatigue um just from watching so much of it, but there literally is football fatigue this time for the players because they've been playing so many games to try and squeeze, a shoehorn this this tournament into the middle of the season. It's it's unprecedented.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly is, Rob, isn't it? It's uh, around the world, really. Uh, you know, there's heartbreaking stories of players that are injured that uh, I think any sensible person would attribute to the. You know, the, the fixture congestion, uh, t- so many games in, in such a short period of time. Uh, so players uh, who we would like to have seen make the tournament not getting there. But then again, we're going to see a bunch of players who otherwise wouldn't have been there uh, emerge and, and get their chance in the, the shop window as well. But um, I, I just get a feeling that uh, that because of the short turnaround between the, uh, the end of the competitions proper and the... First game for every nation. That one of two things is going to happen at both extremes. That that there'll be a proper mugging happen to a world class side uh, who has uh, had to bring their players together at late notice. Without that three four week opportunity to to get them together, and and say a team, and I hate to say this, Rob, uh, like Iran, who've been prepared yeah. in a in a hot house environment um, and yeah. have come into the tournament. Off the best form in Asia, which these days is pretty good when you consider the likes of, of South Korea and Japan, that, that there might be a mugging on the cards, Rob. Uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. That's the big fear. That is the big fear. I mean, um, there's no time to prepare or gel or play any warm up games or, you know, it just he's got a week to pull it all together ahead of that um, first game, just over a week. And as you say, Iran has probably been preparing for a while now for this but the, that the, there is every chance that could happen i mean that's the big fear the expectation level in england is is always high regardless of the quality of uh, the team at the time particularly so though this time because of what they've achieved in the last few tournaments you know each reaching the semi-finals in russia and then reaching the final of the euros there's a lot of expectation a lot of pressure um but it does feel like you know there, there's a a huge potential banana skin, not not just a banana skin, a whole bunch of bananas waiting for them, because uh, they've got USA as well, who have always been um, a really difficult opponents ring in the past, because they play a similar sort of high intensity game. They're very athletic, they're very well organised, very well drilled. I mean, the, 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 with uh, the US, it's always been a question of the quality and experience, because they don't. A lot of them haven't played in the big leagues in the world, but now they do. Um, and they come from a collegiate system so that they, you know, they're very well drilled. So if this is, you know, people looked at the draw when it came out and went, oh, yeah, England should get through that. But they always say that. But it's going to be tough. I mean, Wales. I mean, what team in, in the World Cup doesn't know England as well as Wales? <laughs> you know, they'll know everything about them. So um, it's, not, it's not an easy group by any stretch of imagination. If they come in undercooked, they really could, um, could, could slip up. And, and, and that's the potential.
2: A lot of talk, Rob, about the squad. As always, the the press frenzy leading up to Gareth Southgate's decision last week. I'm sure, as a and someone interested in more than interested in Leicester, you'd have been pleased to see James Maddison's amazing form be rewarded with a call up to this uh, this tournament. Did Gareth get the squad right in the end? Were there any major omissions that you could see?
0: There's a lot of debate about. Uh, who would be Harry Kane's number two? You know the backup. Should Tammy Abraham? Should uh, Ivan Tony? I mean, it's obviously done very well at the weekend. Should they have been in ahead of Callum Wilson because of his injury record? Because Callum Wilson has got the um, you know the tendency to pick up an injury when you've put under a lot of pressure, and playing a lot of games back to back, which obviously you do in a tournament. But I, I but then it, unless Harry Kane's severely injured, then nobody else is going to get a look in. I mean. I, I like Tony. I think he's a, a he's an all round centre forward. I like Tammy Abraham at Roma. He had a fantastic season last season with Roma but um haven't quite um haven't quite made it this time. I was really surprised to see James Madison in from a Leicester standpoint. I mean we had what a three days we had. We I was writing pieces about what, why Gareth Southgate slipped up, not including him, ready to go and then he included him. Then I went to West Ham. And after 23 minutes, he scored and uh, then went down with an injury. He had to come off and thought, Oh no, his dream's over. This. I mean, this boy's dreamed about this all his life and he's posting photos of him from when he was a kid with his England shirts on. And then, uh, you know, it's all going to fall to pieces. Thankfully, he's not severely injured, it's just a, a niggle. And uh, Brendan Rodgers didn't want to take a risk, so he's still going. But it was, um, it must have been an emotional roller coaster for a lot of a uh, lot of players. And and that's what, another reason why. Putting this tournament straight in the middle of a, of, a, of a Premier League season it's just strange for these guys because where's their focus? Is it on their club football? I mean, I'm sure if that had been in normal circumstances, perhaps James Madison would have tried to play on with that niggle, but because so much was at risk, he didn't want to. So that's that's you know to the detriment of Leicester in a way, but they managed to still get the victory at West Ham. Um, so it is for a number of reasons. It is strange having this tournament season I mean the players their, their focus has been you know will they be that focused on the on their bread and butter or are they still looking at the champagne of the World Cup
2: the goalkeepers uh, Pickford has been South Bay man has been England's man for a long time he made a pretty bad decision at uh, the weekend in look great. uh keeps coming up with these kinds of rash things and in, uh, in particularly in Everton shirts but still keeps his England place as there any chance that, uh, or should it or not any chance, I think he'll start. But, you know, Nick Pope had a great game at the weekend. Uh, Ramsdale has been superb for Arsenal. Is there any case for Gareth to rethink his goalkeeping?
0: Oh, there's absolutely a case. I mean, Nick Pope's in form. He's playing in a side in form. Um, as you said, uh, Jordan Pitford, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't great scenes at the end of the game when the um, Everton players were... Well, arguing with their own fans at the end. I mean, I don't know if you you saw them, what the scenes at the end of that game. Um, The one lad threw his shirt into the crowd for the fans and they threw it back. I mean, I I can't imagine a a, a bigger insult, really, Uh, or assessment of their performance. I mean, they are a team that are really struggling at the moment, and Jordan Pickford's in that side. I mean, if he's going to pick his team up based on players on form, you wouldn't have Pickford and you wouldn't have Maguire in. But. Uh, there's a lot to be said for the fact that these lads have never let him down, personally, uh, in an England shirt. So that's why I think he'll still go with them. But I, I personally would go with Pope. I think Pope's a better goalkeeper. And I think, as I said, his confidence is high. He's, he's in a team that are absolutely flying in the Premier League and not expected to do so. Um, so there's absolutely an argument for a change.
2: Southgate probably knows who his front three is. Uh, who do you, what, do you, what do you think England should line up with? And how does madison get into this side i mean is he really the 23rd man of the 23 in the squad it'd have to be some you know uh, outbreak for him to get a game or do you could you see him being a you know someone like Saka or foden goes lame then he could be in the frame
0: he's going to be playing a supporting role but he's still a player that and the whole argument for including him was he can change the game if you're struggling in a game if you need some inspiration you need somebody somebody's going to lock a defence. He's excellent at that. Finding the gaps, playing on the turn, playing the ball forwards, um, sliding passes in, goals, assists. He's a threat from set pieces. There was that. That was the major argument for me that I was trying to to, to voice in the build up to the, the announcement of the, the squad and why he should be in ahead of somebody like James Walcratz. Yeah, he scores from free kicks. He's phenomenal at free kicks, but he's not that progressive player that James Madison is. He can't play on the turn like James Madison play with his back-to-goal like James Madison. So the reason that the, 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 there was a, such a weight of argument for Madison was that ability. He's that ace card off the bench. And historically, England have always gone into tournaments with somebody who's unproven or you know has come from nowhere to some extent. Uh, the famous one is, is Gascoigne in, in 1990. Um, somebody that can do something. David Platt in 1990, is what you could say. And um, they can change a game. From the bench or from the start, if if they're in the frame, but I don't think he will be. I think he'll go Saka, Foden, even Sterling ahead of, of Madison. Interesting that he named him in his forwards, not his midfielders, because I think he can play as an eight as well. Um, I know that he, he tends to try and play with um, at least once sitting midfielder, sometimes two if Calvin Phillips is fit. But Jude Bellingham is not a sitting midfielder. He's a progressive midfielder, and he'll probably get the nod as well. So um, yeah, I think. Um, Madison's role will be coming into the game off either flank and playing more centrally and trying to change the game.
1: And Rob, before we we let you go, obviously, uh, World Cup time, we get to see a lot of Premier League players. So... Playing for their their home countries, uh, the obviously the Belgian trio uh, led by Yuri Telemans for for Leicester and uh, uh, the likes of, of Cristiano Ronaldo, he can't obviously get a game for many and well published reasons uh, for his his own uh, uh, home nation. But uh, you know there there are some some big big names that are getting the, the chance to play in in World Cups uh, for for different countries. Uh, I think there's one that we would love to have seen is one uh, Erling Haaland. Uh, who uh, sadly for Norway um, um, are not in it. But uh, a player that didn't get picked for Argentina, Derek picked him out earlier on in the season, Alejandro Ganacho, uh, who's, who's been a revelation for Manchester United, uh, doesn't get a spot on the plane for Argentina. So so are there any particular uh, players that you're especially looking out for uh, over the course of the World Cup as they, uh, as they return to their home country? Everybody's looking at Lionel Messi
0: as well, aren't they? Because of... Um... You know the the, the history there. Everything he's achieved at club level, he's never really achieved anything at international level. Um, so I know they won a South American Championship, but on, on the global scale. Um, but he's coming towards the end, so this will be the last time you'll see him. But um, it's always I always look forward to seeing an up and coming star, somebody announce themselves as they as they're coming through, and that would be really interesting um, to see if there's a youngster out there. I mean, everybody, everybody talks about Kylian Mbappe um, and France and, and what a what super talent he is. And, and he's sort of, he's announced himself now. We've sort of seen what he can do. The potential for what he can do in the future would be extraordinary. I, I should imagine he's, um, if he keeps developing, he could be a talisman. So he'll probably be the star of the tournament in Mbappe. And I'm, I'm, every time I see him play, I'm, I'm just so impressed. Not just the pace and the, it's, it's the, the tactical nous as well he's developed to that experience at the top, top level. So I think he'll be the one to watch in this tournament, Killian and Mbappe.
1: Was that a little jab back at me for suggesting that Iran might cause England problems knowing that the first team that France do play happens to be wearing green and gold?
5: <laughs>
1: no, absolutely not. No, no, no. I just think
0: France are going to be one of the, the, the favourites um this tournament. I, I just think that you look at them and the, the talent they've got, the, the depth of the squad, they're going to be right there. Um, if, if there's going to be a European contender, I would probably go with them ahead of England. Germany, you can never write out, but I've got a sneaking feeling it's been a while since some of the South American nations have, um, mm-hmm. have done well at a tournament. You look at the, the quality in that Brazil squad. I mm-hmm. mean, um, they play a very different brand of football these days than they used to. When I was growing up, um, you, you know, you used to always really watching in Brazil because you'd see something you'd never seen before. You know, you'd see mm-hmm. the start of the football. I remember '82 like that team that only no, got to the quarterfinals, but still mm-hmm. to this day one of the, my favourite sides I've ever seen in my life. Um, mm. just, but now they play a very European style of, of football, uh, as do the Argentinians, because that's what the, their players are playing on a regular basis. Yeah. um and I think they've lost a bit of that magic but I, I do think that one of the South American sides will come to
1: the fore. well rob it's all ahead of us we're, we're going to look forward to it mate and, and we might uh, give you a yell uh, one or two times during the course of the tournament uh, to see if the uh the three lions can match the uh the history making feats of of their of their lioness uh um or we'll call them siblings if you like one of the the word. Uh, um, it's going to be a lot of fun? Uh, we know there's a lot going on around Qatar. Everybody has talked about it, and we will continue to do off the pitch. But um, so far as uh, as talking about football on it, um, it's uh, it's a great tournament to look forward to, mate. And uh, thanks again for, for jumping on. We'll we'll have a yak to you uh, maybe in a, in a couple of weeks and uh, and look at. Uh, at the the tournament after the uh, the sort of the group stage. Brilliant. Looking forward to it, guys. Excellent. Rob Tanner from the Athletic, always generous with his time and always outstanding with his observations. Stick around more World Cup corner on Box to Box after the break. Willa, willa,
0: willa. Everybody's buy
1: white white space everyone's says everyone's, everyone's going to save a dollar or two. I didn't sing the jingle the last couple of weeks, but I can't help myself. Yeah especially when I'm talking about Hoyts because we love cooking and eating and our friends at Hoyts Herbs and Spices are always on hand for tips and advice on how to add flavor and taste to the kitchen and changing the mood of food. Now, Derek, last week when I brought up the subject of meatballs, you mentioned you just had a feed of of meatballs, um, Italian pasta style.
2: I did, yes, I did. Kind of a, an, a, I think Adam Lior, actually, it was his recipe,
1: and it was
3: very tasty indeed.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a Bill Granger uh, recipe. Willem, are you familiar
3: with the work of Bill Granger? Oh, I am indeed, yes. My mum, a, a very proud cook and a cookbook woman, very heavy on the cookbook, so I know Bill Granger, absolutely, going back. No, oh, excellent. Well, this is Bill's uh,
1: meatball, so you want to get your half a kilo, 500 grams of mince, a grated red onion, some nice dry chili, Hoyt's dry chili, Hoyt's cumin, paprika, and turmeric. A little fresh ginger, just grated about the size of your thumbnail. Hoyt's ground four-color peppercorn mix and Hoyt's rock salt. Some Hoyt's dried parsley and some fresh coriander. An egg and you'll want to put it all together in the one bowl and make some nice little golf ball-sized meatballs. Put it in with your best favorite tomato-based sauce. You are going to be wowed with some wonderful flavors, all thanks to our good friends at Hoyt's herbs and spices. Remember, refill any of your empty spice jars with Hoyts Value Packs. You'll be happy with Hoyts and our good friends, Johnny Ocardo, Steve Ocardo, Mick Ocardo, the old friend Isabella playing for Melbourne City at Coles, Woolworths and all good independent supermarkets.
4: Box to box. Can you believe it?
0: For Chemist Warehouse.
4: Great savings
0: every day. And Hoyts Herbs and
1: Spices.
4: Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all.
1: Well, let's wrap it up with World Cup Corner. No edge this week, guys. um, He has been prolific with his contributions uh, since he's been away, but he is just fair dinkum up to pussy's bow with work right now that he didn't even have time to file his little three-minute uh, uh, tag. So uh, we'll get something in next week. And Willem, we'll be certainly talking to you because you're going to do this show from Qatar um, as well, which uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to.
3: He is the self-appointed world's busiest man, Rob, but I'll see if I can <laughs> wrangle him for a couple of minutes when I'm set up talking to you guys over there and see if he is alive and if he's still engaged and still part of box to box I'm sure of... he will be. And But before we <laughs> go, yeah. just, just in case I don't happen to mention it, uh, uh, because obviously the World
1: Cup starting this coming Monday, uh, our time... Timeline is slightly changing, so for our listeners, uh, uh, we've sort of made the judgment call that you'd prefer to have fresher content, um, and and by that stage, Willem will already be over there. So we're we're going to put the uh, the main show box to box out uh, uh, midweek next week after the Australia France match. So uh, so if you if you're waiting for the show to drop into your feed uh, on Monday night, late Monday night, or Tuesday morning we'll wait a little bit longer because we'll be able to do a post-match on uh, on the Australia-France match.
3: Let's have a look at a few other squads. Having touched on England with Rob Tanner there, Senegal coach Eliou Sisse has named Sadio Mane, despite Mane looking almost certain uh, to miss after picking up that leg injury, playing for Bayern Munich. Uh, they're praying for a miracle Derek, FIFA Secretary-General Fatma Samura, who I didn't realise was Senegalese, has uh, remarkably said that the nation are going to try everything, including witch doctors, uh, to get him fit to play. not sure that's necessarily what you want to hear from the uh, FIFA Secretary-General. Bayern boss Julian Nagelsmann sort of straight down the line. I don't know what witch doctors are.
2: Well, maybe they could uh, ring up Paul Pogba, who seems to have uh, a bit of knowledge on the witch doctor front. But look, this isn't really a surprise. Mane just picked up, what was it, second or third place in the... uh... In the uh, go, the uh, Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or um, yeah. he pretty much single-handedly took him to the Afcon title as well. So I think if there's even a five percent chance that he could be fit, I think they will have him on the plane.
3: Yeah, he's certainly the headline name in the squad, and it's probably a similar story with South Korea and Canada. Son Hyun Min has made the plane. Uh, Paulo Bento's included him as he recovers from that fractured eye socket, so he'll probably be wearing the, the Harry Kane, Callum McGregor style mask, but he'll be there. Uh, and for Canada, World Cup. Uh, returnees for the first time since 1986. Uh, Alfonso Davies is their uh, their hot talent, and he's been included as well. And it wouldn't be the Dutch guys without some form of uh, brouhaha. Lou van Gaal's left out his most experienced goalkeeper, Jasper Sillison. Uh The keeper reportedly exploded with anger uh, at the news. And Raphael van der Vaart, former Spurs man, Derek, who I'm sure you'll remember well, uh, wasn't surprised, saying that Sillison is a uh, is a nasty man. But that's all by the by. That's that's in the past. Uh, what. Louis van Gaal has to decide now is who he goes with because the three gents he has picked, uh, apparently none uh, in particularly good form. He's got Andres Knoppert, the head and vein keeper. He's 28 years old, zero caps. He's got Remco Pasvia, who's 39 years old and looks every day of it. Uh, He's at Ajax. Uh, He only made his debut last year at 38. He's got the two caps. Uh, And Justin Bilo at Feyenoord, 24 years old and six caps. So he's made a, a big call to leave out Sillison, uh, who was there way back in, in uh, 2014, 63 caps to his name.
2: No stranger, Louis van Hull, to uh, controversial decisions. Um, I must confess, Willem, I was struggling with all of the the goalkeepers that you read out there. I, in my head, I thought Tim Krul might still be in with a chance or something like that. But, yeah, Silasen, so I do know it, as you said, uh, 33 years old. You do need experience in these tournaments and... Yeah, I, I, it's a it's a brave call uh, from Van Gaal, but as you said, he's got a, a track record with goalkeepers, so we'll just keep an eye on what happens if the Dutch go to penalties at some stage during the tournament, Willem.
3: And Derek, what about the uh, the call of Luis Enrique, Spanish coach this week? He rejected Sergio Ramos's late push. He then oddly revealed that Gerard Piquet was in contention before he'd retired. Uh, and he's also said that he wants Sergio Busquets to play on until the next World Cup because there aren't going to be any better players suited to his position come 2026. That's a
2: big call. And if I was uh, a central midfielder pivoter in uh, Spain, I'd certainly be disappointed um, by those comments. I mean, Spain are dealing with a transitional sort of transitional phase at the moment. I mean, they obviously had their golden generation of which uh, Busquets and PK and Ramos were were at the heartbeat of that. So, yeah, again, you'd want to try and bring a balanced squad, wouldn't you? I mean, Busquets, his game's never really been about, I suppose, his pace. So he's all about positioning and timing and could be a steadying anchor while all of the kind of younger, more exciting Spanish talent further up the pitch go and do their thing. I've not really been keeping tracks on Ramos this season, but uh, I believe his uh, PSG form has been patchy at best and of course PK as we said on the show last week is the fifth choice for Barcelona so it would be a huge risk even with all of his experience I think it would be a huge risk to take a player out that hasn't been playing um, really at all for the past few months so uh, probably we'll, we'll back uh, back, the, back the gaffer for Spain
3: It's been a long build up Rob getting very very excited it's been a, a hell of a lot said and a, uh, still a fair bit to uh, to to play out but I know Derek in particular is, is pining for that first ball to be kicked, and we are just about there. Yeah, we are, mate. And, and so what uh, what day do you fly out? Saturday evening I'll be flying out, arriving early Sunday morning mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of days up my sleeve before the Socceroos kick off.
1: Okay. And uh, will you be seeing Edge um, not long after your touchdown, mate? Uh, what's, the, what's the reunion plans?
3: Oh, I'll see if he has any time for me, Rob.
1: The world's busiest. Well, he, he'll find time for you, mate. You're going to be one of his protégés, and I'm sure he'll he'll find a little bit of work for you to do. Now, before we go, though, um, you have a great trip, mate. Have the time of your life. This is your second World Cup, and um, and uh, um, you are a young man who has been uh, saving his backside off to make sure he could get on that plane and uh, and enjoy all of the best that it's to offer. So, we'll, uh, yeah, we're going to look forward to, to having a, a young to you on the show while you're over there. Uh, But if you're not going to have the good fortune to get over there like Willem is, then make sure you download SBS On Demand. Um, It's going to be a veritable feast. And and judging from my... playing around with the uh, the app, it, it looks like it's, it's going to provide a lot of good content. Um, even that little tiny uh, detail that the Optus app has, where you can sort of flick up the corner screen on your mobile phone while you're watching it and do some other stuff and just listen to the commentary. There's some great um, uh, group previews on that SBS uh, on-demand platform as well. So uh, get... Uh, get- that downloaded onto your phone or your device, or your smart TV or whatever, and don't leave it too late. So, Derek, um, it, what's the what's the one highlight that you're looking forward to most, apart from um, the uh, you know the, the the whole show kicking off? Is there one game you've isolated in your mind that uh, you know you're ready to uh, either get up late or uh, you know switch the alarm on at uh, some ungodly hour?
2: Well, I, I think England Wales is something that everyone with that kind of British affiliation will look forward to. It'll be fascinating to see the. Uh, them you know seeing them in plenty of qualifiers but actually playing against each other in a major tournament and I'll be interested to see whether Bale after his holiday uh, in the sun albeit doing pretty well over at LAFC uh, Mm -hmm. see whether he's got anything left in those uh, shooting boots but uh, Mm -hmm. look I think I think they'll all be good we'll just try and catch as many games as we can eh.
1: Yeah, and I'm probably um, going off a little bit too early because uh, uh, Willem will still be around for stoppage time later in the week anyway, won't you? So I'll probably do all these farewells all over again. (laughs) But uh, anyway, um, it is what it is. Damo, thank you for doing what you've done. Uh, Jamie's going to jump back in for a cameo in stoppage time during the week. Uh, We're going to talk a little... uh, a little city again. Uh, so uh, stand by for his uh, uh, dulcet tones and uh, and make sure you do join us again. Please subscribe to Box to Box. Box to Box stoppage time and Box to Box offside, wherever you get your podcast. Great edition of Box to Box offside. I had a one on one chat with Julie Dolan, the first number one cap Matilda last week. So that's going to drop later on this week. Uh, make sure you do all that wherever you get your podcast. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and make sure you join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.